We're glad to meet together in this manner as we worship our Lord. As you know that we have been having a theme for this month, and we are talking about the gift of opportunity. And we have talked about that at length. I made a promise that today we will uh, speak about opportunity from 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If you can open that with me, please. And I want to give the message today, the subtitle, Overcoming Hindrances to Accessing God's Open Door. When God gives you an open door, there will always be hindrances. And we need to know how to overcome those hindrances. First Corinthians 16, I'm reading from verse 1 in the New American Standard Bible. Let me read. Now concerning the collection for the saints as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collection may be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry you your gift to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. But I'll come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I'm going through Macedonia, and perhaps I'll stay with you, or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. For I do not wish to see you just now in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. In verse 9, our main text for today, for a wide door for effective service has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. A wide door for effective service has opened to me and there are many adversaries. In the King James, I like it, it says for a great door and an effectual door has been opened to me, but there are many adversaries. You note as we read this from verse 1 that Paul is encouraging the churches to collect money for the church in Jerusalem, which at this time was going through a very serious financial crisis. Paul had earlier in the trip encouraged the churches in the areas of Galatia to do the same. And so it starts with those words now concerning the collection for the saints. And the structure of this sentence gives the impression that Paul had had this ongoing discussion with them. So he was kind of picking up from what he had said to them to say, you remember what I said? Please make sure that you make an offering for the church in Jerusalem. It was common practice in these days, as it should be today, that churches helped one another. And I think that's one thing that we must do. There are times when we go through difficulty as churches, and we need to help one another. And so in verse 5, and Paul says, look, I have a desire to visit you in Corinth. However, first... I'll go to Ephesus and I'll be there until Pentecost. And he says, the reason I'm going to go to Ephesus is because a great door for ministry has opened for me. And with that great door, there are many adversaries. Very interesting that Paul uses the analogy of a door. As you know, when you read the Bible, it's quite important for us 
to sort of study whatever simile is used for us to get a better understanding. The reason Paul is saying he's going to stay in Ephesus, he's saying, I've got this great door, this opportunity, and I want to leverage this door. I want to leverage this opportunity. Remember, we learned from our previous lessons that opportunity doesn't come to stay, you know. Opportunity comes to pass. And so when opportunity presents itself, we need to make sure we leverage the opportunity. When a moment comes, we need to seize that moment. And so Paul says, I have this abundant opportunity for usefulness because there's a door that has opened and it's an occasion and an opportunity for doing something great and therefore I am going to make sure I go through this door. Let's talk about doors for a while. Doors are moving structures that are used to block off access, right? They block off entrance or they block you off from going into an enclosed space such as a building or a vehicle. But doors are structures that block you. So Paul is saying, you know, I've been wanting to go to Ephesus and it may be in your case, you may have wanted to do certain things, but you just couldn't go. Something was blocking you. The door was closed. And Paul says, now that the door has opened, I'm not going to ignore this open door. Because the open door and the opportunity like you heard when we looked at the actual origin of the word opportunity, when sailors would look at the wind and the tide so that they could dock their ships to offload cargo and to do what they needed to do. Back then when they didn't have harbors, so they had to constantly be looking at which way the wind is blowing, how the weather is, which way are the waves behaving, and when the tide was right and the time was right, they had to dock the ship and make sure they do what they do, and they called that opportune. And so when opportune came, the, the captain of the ship would shout, opportune, opportune, opportune. And when the other crew heard the words and the shout, opportune, they would run to the ship, do what they needed to do, which meant when opportune comes, it determines your priorities, it determines your focus, it determines your pace, when opportune comes, you don't postpone it. You don't say, I'll do it tomorrow. You don't ignore it. When opportune comes, it determines the rest of your life. And Paul is saying, there's this open door. I'm going to go through this door. I'm not going to wait for tomorrow because there's an open door that is there. A door, secondly, is to a building what a gate is to a yard. Both structures, the door and the gate, control access. Thirdly, when a door is open, people get admitted. I mean, when you came into the building today, you know, after the first service, you were outside, doors were closed, but the minute the doors were opened, you could come in. And so doors admit people, even animals. We also use doors to ensure there's ventilation, like right now. On a bright day, we use them for light. So doors are there to let things in and keep certain things out. And so when a door is locked, you are on the other side of the building or whatever you want to enter and you don't know what's going on on the other side. So that leads me to my fourth point. Doors are used to control the physical atmosphere within the space. 
because you can enclose the door to make sure the draft doesn't come in, but you can also close the doors to make sure that if you have air conditioner, it operates well. So doors create atmosphere. So you can move from one atmosphere to the other. You go through the door, you can go from a cold place to a hot place in a split second. Just like when God opens a door, you can go from one situation to the other in a split second simply because God is opening a door. I see God opening a door for somebody in the house. And God opens a door for you and you're able to move from one place to the other. Number five, doors are used to screen areas of a building where only authorized people will be allowed access. And if you're not authorized, you might get arrested. And you've seen, sometimes they put a tag there, unauthorized entry not allowed. And so you know, so unfortunately when certain doors are closed, you can stay on the other side of the door and not be allowed. But then number six, doors hold the essence of mystery. Why? Because they, they, they separate two distinct areas, keeping things apart. When you're on the one side of the door, you don't know what's going on on the other side of the door. And so, you know, sometimes you may be in that place where your life has been characterized by closed doors. You've lived on the one side of the door where you are familiar with sickness and disease, and that's all you knew. You just never knew a day of being healthy. You just never knew a day when you didn't have pain. But my goodness, God can open that door. Then you go to the other side. I was telling them in the first service, you know, growing up I, was, I wasn't really a sickly child, but I was sickly sometime, you know, particularly when I became a teenager. I was always sick. Either I had a headache or I had a, my ears were aching, stomach ache, eyes Something was, you know, you know when, you, when you live that life where you just don't know what it is to be okay, you're just in constant pain. And you kind of move from one situation to the other. If it's not the headache, it's the ears. If it's not the ears, it's the stomach. If it's not the stomach, it's the eyes. You know, and then you end up accepting that as normal. Or you can live in a situation where you're always constantly in financial crisis. You just never know what it is you just have enough. I'm not talking about having more than enough, just enough, you know, just at least for the month end, you still have something in your pocket. You know, not on the 10th of the month, there's nothing in the pocket. You can live in a situation like that. You can come from a home where, you know, it's, it's, it's always constant, constant strife, fighting continually, just issues, one thing after another, after another. But God in his grace, knows how to open the door. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because you can live with a sense of mystery, wondering, I wonder what it feels like to be at peace. I wonder what it feels like to be in a home where there's no strife and there's no fighting and people don't scream and shout at one another. I wonder what it is. And God says in the book of Revelations, I have set an open door before you. Uh, and no one can shut that door. I see God opening a door for somebody that we can go through. Doors, therefore, are used, as I said, to screen areas of a building where only authorized people are allowed and they hold this essence of mystery. Number seven, doors are a barrier, a boundary, which must be negotiated. So before the threshold can be crossed, you've got to negotiate this door. So 
this is what I want to say to you. In this year where God opens doors for you, you've got to negotiate that door. Even if God opens the door, you've got to go through the door. That the door is open doesn't mean you transition to another place. You only transition when you go through the door. Opportunity only becomes of worth to you when you seize that opportunity. And so the mysterious beyond the door is hidden from sight by the closed door. But you've got to take some form of action before the other side can become visible and available. In short, a closed door is full of potential. A closed door is full of potential of what might happen beyond. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the good things that God has in store for those who love him. Could it be that on the other side of the door of opportunity, there are things that are lying in store for you? Not even talking about wealth or riches. What about destiny? What about fulfilling your calling? What about walking in the fullness of who God says you are? But the closed door becomes limiting, preventing us from ever gaining access to the hidden con- contents. And sometimes accessing may be as simple as just approaching and turning a handle. But if you don't have the keys, even if getting through the door is that simple, if you don't have the keys, or the password, or the code, going through the door is a problem. Even if you ring the bell and nobody opens, you've got to negotiate that door with the guardian and the keeper of the door. Sometimes you have to say the right words or have the right credentials, the right badge. Or you have to belong to a club, be a member of a certain group. But God qualifies you. (laughs) God says... I've opened a door. I've placed an open door before you. And so we know that when the door is open for you, you don't have to battle and fight. You just go through it. But let's go back to our text. Paul says for a great door and an effectual door is opened unto me. In the New Living Translation it reads, there's a wide open door For a great work here. The New English translation reads, because a great opportunity stands wide open before me. In the complete Jewish Bible, it says, because a great and important door has opened for my work. So, this door, Paul says, number one, it's opened by God. Okay, it's opened for me. God God has opened it, all right. And, And you don't have to struggle Meaning you don't need a password, you don't need a key, you don't need a ticket, you don't need to bang it down, you don't need a code, you don't need to pay, but you need to enter. You need to enter. God is the opener of doors, as he says in Revelation 3.8, I know your works, behold, I have set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. You have so little power, and yet you have kept my word and haven't opened the door. When God opens a door for you, even if people don't like it, that door will never close. But by the same token, when God has closed the door, doesn't matter how much you pray, how much you fast, 
Doesn't matter how much spiritual warfare you engage in, that door is not going to open. But when God has opened a door, you don't have to struggle at all. You can go through that door. And so here's the question I, uh, I have. How then do I recognize God's open door? Because if God's going to open a door for me, and it's a door of opportunity, and I'm aware I need to order my priorities according to opportunity, eh? I have to make sure my focus, my passion, my vision, everything I do lines up with the opportunity before me. But then how do I know if it's a door that God has opened? Because there are certain doors that don't come from God. Tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor, there are some doors that you mustn't go through there. Don't go some doors. You just have to say bye-bye to them and say, no, the bye-bye door. I can see you, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not interested. Number one, here's the first question we want to ask. Whatever door open, here's the first question. Is this in line with the word of God? That must be the founding thing. God's not going to open a door for you to rob a bank. Tell your neighbor, ah, Bishop, Bishop realized what you're trying to do tomorrow. <laughs> God's not going to do that. So that's the first question we ask. Whatever door it is, does this line up with the word of God? Whatever it is that's there, does this line up with the word of God? If it doesn't line up with the word of God, my sister, my brother, you don't need to pray, you don't need to fast, you don't need to cast out the devil, you don't need spiritual warfare, just walk on. Look at the neighbor and say, Chwada. Chwada. So if it's, not, if it's not the right door, just Chwada. Pumalap. Because it's not the door. So that's the first question. The second Question you need to ask yourself is, have I been praying about this? Because I'm, I'm learning more now that there are times when we pray for things and it takes a while for God to answer or for them to manifest. Yesterday in our council meeting, I was telling our leaders, our bishops, overseers, and some of our board members that this year we're going to start putting into practice something that God spoke to me about on the 5th of August, 1985. I have a suspicion that there are several of you who were not alive even at that time. Can, can you believe it? Huh? 4th, 4th of August. Not 5th. 4th of August, 1985. Yeah. See, some things God shows you may not happen tomorrow. But if it's from God, it will come to pass. It, it may take a while. It may delay. Marayona, it will come to pass. Tell your neighbor it will come to pass. And so this year, you'll hear me announce next week, I'm going to be spelling out the things we'll be doing as a church, priorities we'll be doing. There's something God spoke to me about way back. So I want to encourage somebody here, if what God told you back then hasn't come to pass, right? You don't have to kick the door down. God will open it for you. Stay in fellowship with God. Live in the will of God. Do all that God says you must do. But if the door doesn't open, Tell your neighbor, particularly you, Scarfostel. 
There's no need for to force issues and create circumstances, break the door down, kick the door down. No need for that. Well, there are times when we have to put up a fight. I'll show you later on. But it's not always. If something is not in God's will and you are forcing it, it's not going to help you. Why are you quiet now? (laughs) So the second question is, is this what I've been praying about? Thirdly, number three, is there the witness of the Holy Spirit in my heart about this open door? Because, you know, there are so many opportunities that come your way, but some of them, when you look at it and you try to involve yourself in it, something in here, in fact, we should say somebody in here, says no. The Spirit of God in here says, hmm. Yeah. In the Western Cape city, Andiko Osho. Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape, Nyan, Andiko Osho. So there are certain things when they come your way, something in here says Andiko Osho. No, Basalan. I don't think personally, and it might not be correct, you know, I don't know, but I, I haven't realized anywhere where God has punished somebody for trying to clarify what was right. And I'm not talking about doubt and unbelief. I'm saying if you're not sure and you're not certain about something, don't just jump and push yourself into it. Yeah. So you've got to ask yourself that question. Do I have peace about this? Am I settled about this? Because there are certain things on a logical level it looks okay. When you were talking, when you're in the meeting, when you're talking to the person, everything was good until you went home. When you slept, you couldn't sleep. You were uncomfortable. You were turning and tossing. And you call, sure. So you've got to ask yourself, am I settled in my heart? Is this a door that God has opened? Am I talking to anybody this morning? I'm talking to me more than anybody else. Number what? Number four. Is this in line with God's vision and purpose for my life? Because all of us, there's a purpose and a vision God's given you. If you don't mind me putting it this way, there's a calling. I didn't say you must be a pastor, but you, you are called for a specific purpose. If somebody was to come and give me an opportunity to be a coach for a soccer club. And somebody says, Jesus, that side to us. <laughs> you know what I was going to, I'm going to do? I won't even pray about it. I'll just say wrong number. <laughs> Missed call. <laughs> wrong address. Not me, oh. Coach, soccer club. Never. But you see, at times, we negotiate with things that we know very well are outside of God's will. And we try to force God's hand through prayer and intercession and spiritual warfare. Listen, Bazalana, you can't fast something into God's will if it was not God's will from the first place. You'll never change God's will through your prayer and your fasting and your spiritual warfare. And this is why, Bazalana, I'm being honest with you, sometimes there are people who are driving everybody crazy. Because they're in constant spiritual warfare, constant fasting, praying and fasting for things that are not God's will in the first place. And you're driving everybody around you nuts. Because you're always on edge, when Always fighting, always binding, always loosing, always rebuking. Always there's a demon behind every push. Look, it's not God's will, all right? 
just, just live it. There's no amount of fasting. No amount of praying. You can get as many prayer partners as you want. It's not going to happen. It's not God's will. When it's God's will, even if there may be adversaries, when it's God's will, God will swing the door wide open for adversary and all. God will swing the door. Can I hear a good amen in the house here? Hallelujah. So our text says, Paul says, it's not only a door, but it's an open door, but it's a great and effectual door. As it says in the New Living Translation, a door for a great work. Or the Good Speed Translation says, it's a great and promising door of opportunity. As we said, this symbolism of an open door to us is one of exciting new potential. In other words, the block that stood before us has now been removed. Now we are free to move forward. The vision that has been stuck in your life, your life that has been hibernating, now God is giving you momentum to transition because you're going through a door. You are moving from one space to the other. There's a mystery on the other side of the great things that God has in store for you. Now you're free to move forward to move forward into change. The only thing you must negotiate is transitioning. Why? Because the guardian of the threshold is welcoming you forward. Change is beckoning to you with open arms and is saying, come this way. I don't know, somebody here, God is blowing the winds of change in your life. Oh yeah. And God is calling you forward, saying door is open. The only thing to negotiate is to negotiate going through the door. Open arms. Adam Class commentary says, and I quote, it's a great and effectual door. In other words, he says, it's a great and energetic door that has been opened unto me. That is, God has made a grand opening for me in those parts. Paul is saying, I know I've preached everywhere. It's not every city where when I go, I'm welcome with open arms. You read Paul's journey, some places they wanted to kill him. Some places they did all kinds of things. There was a riot. He was pushed out. But in this instance, God opens the door. God himself stands as a guardian of the door, throws it wide open. Rolls out the red carpet. Come in, my son. Come and do the work. And Paul says, because of that, it's an effectual door. I'm going to throw everything at it. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work long. I'm going to leverage the season. You know, I'm sure all of us, because of where we come from with the lockdown and the COVID, at this season, I wonder, I hope, the perspective of time has changed when it comes to you. Because we realize we are just fickle human beings and our lives can change at the, the snap of a finger. And that the only thing that we are guaranteed of is now. Not even tomorrow. And for that reason, when God has opened a door of opportunity and we know it's God's will, we know it's in God's timing, we shouldn't waste time. Because just postponing by one day may change everything. 
Remember people who flew in here and then lockdown happened and they had to stay here for months. Had they left the day before, none of that would have happened. Will you take advantage of the opportunity when it's there? Oh yeah. And Paul says, it's an effectual door. It's a great door, it's an effectual door. Pierce comments and says, the term effectual implies something that is full of labor. Because a door signifies opportunity. But here the apostle is alluding to the fact that it has been thrown open and this door, it's full of labor. I've got to work very hard. I've got to leverage the season. I've got to throw everything at it. Being a child of God doesn't mean lazying around. Being in God's will doesn't mean we are always seated on our rusty dusty. You know what the rusty dusty is? We're in church, we won't explain. <laughs> being, in, being in the will of God doesn't mean there's no work, there's no labor. There is work, there is labor in the Lord. Yeah. Being, being in God's will doesn't mean we sit in the couch of comfort, basking in the sunshine of God's grace and never lifting a finger to do anything. And sometimes our biggest problem is that we hide behind prayer. You know, if Christians can say I'm praying about it, all they mean is that I'm doing nothing about it. Ask your neighbor, why are you not saying amen or anything? And Paul uses this picture, almost like of the circus maximus. I don't know, you know, I was talking to some, I was saying to someone, so back then when we grew up, we used to watch these uh, movies, it's like the gladiators, and, and, and I know it's not common. And then he said, what did he say? Musketeers. Now I know we have lost almost three quarters of you there. We, many of you don't know anything about musketeers. Okay, so just go and check it on YouTube, what musketeers is. But I used to watch these pictures where, you know, you would see these people who would be fighting, you know, uh, uh, who would use chariots and they'd be in these carts that are drawn by chariots. And you'd see them starting a race. They are going towards a specific direction. And the minute they give them a sign to go, they all race towards the target. But side by side, there's other people who are trying to block them from reaching the goal. They would fight them, they will bump into them, they will distract them. That's the picture that Paul is giving. Here's a door, it's a door of opportunity. I am moving towards the door, but there are many adversaries. You know, it would be something if Paul said there is an, unvers an adversary. He says, no, there are adversaries. And it would be something if he said there were adversaries. He says there are many adversaries. New opportunity, new devils. New door, new challenges. New level, new problems. But you still are going to go through the door. Adversary and all, you're going through the door. Yeah, yeah. There, there is nothing in God's kingdom that's handed to us on a platter. Even if it's God's will. Let that sink in for a while. And Paul is saying, these adversaries, these competitors, they are many. Even if there's this grand opportunity to preach the gospel, but I'm aware that as I go preaching this gospel, Satan will try to block me. Wicked people will not leave me unmolested. Paul is simply intimating any form of extension 
to the fulfillment of your purpose will involve fighting. And Christians don't like to hear that word, fight. We don't like to hear the word fight. Any extension to God's mission in your life, if you're going to plant a church and run a church, you have to fight for it. If you're going to have a good home and a good family, you've got to fight for it. If you're going to have a good financial life, you have to fight for it. If you're going to have a good career, you're, oh, I'm not hearing an amen in the house. You've got to fight for it. Even if it's a door that God has opened and he's the one standing and opening the door and rolling out the red carpet, he says, <clears throat> by the way, don't forget, <laughs> there are many adversaries. There are those who are trying to take you away from what you're doing. So as you learn, as you grow in the things of God, you don't assume when problems are there that you're out of God's will. You understand sometimes the reason I have problems is because I am in God's will. When problems come, you don't try to look for sin and wrong in your life. You know there's nothing wrong you've done. This is just the way it is. It's a package. Somebody say it's a package. Tell your neighbor it's a package. Tell your other neighbor it's a package. Yeah, it's a package. It's a package. There's nobody who has ever gone to any length of achievement in life who doesn't understand this issue about fighting. Nobody. Nobody. Many people who have become successful businesswomen and businessmen, they'll tell you how many times they failed, how many times they had to register the business, how many times they lost money, how many times their joint ventures went sour, but they still stood. Oh, come on, I see you standing in Jesus. <laughs> standing! Many adversaries. Many adversaries. When Paul writes to a young man by the name of Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12, he says, Timothy, young man, fight the good fight of faith. Fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Why? We must fight because certain things are not given to us unless we take them by force. Tell him. I'm talking about that which is God's will for you. Not when it's not God's will. But even if it's God's will, you've got to take it by force. And that's the concern I'm having when people have this mentality and this heart of just being, you know, lazy, lexidaisically trying to think your life's going to work simply because you prayed, you fasting. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No. No. You want a job? All you do is just to pray at home three times a day. It's not coming. Tell your neighbor he's prophesying now, he's not coming. Yeah, not coming. Got to fight for it. Even if it's yours, you got to fight for it. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twelve. He says, and from the day of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Oh yeah. See, there's a natural tendency to think that when God opens a door, when opportunity knocks, that everything will go smoothly. And you want to have trouble and hardship. You know, it, I think it's several months ago. You know, when I was reading the life of Paul, and I realized, hey, this guy, he had more problems than he had. We just said, I can't count his days. But it looks like he had more days of trouble than days when there was no issue. Read the ministry of Jesus and follow his history as he walked around the streets preaching the gospel. There was always something every day. Always a problem. 
Oh yeah. So in other words, trouble coexists with people who are vision-minded. Yeah. Ah, you really hear me? No, I didn't say pray for trouble. But even if you don't pray for it, it is on the way. And this is not a bad prophecy in case you want to bind me. I'm just dating. When you read the Bible, you note. And this is what I was saying, you know, at the back when we were there, I was saying to him, you know, I, I, I've, I, you, you know, we came to the point during lockdown where you, you, you prayed even if you didn't feel like praying. Because unfortunately we have been raised on a diet of a Christianity that is so controlled by feelings. We even go to a point and say, I feel the presence of the Lord. It's okay to feel it. But if, whether you feel it or you don't feel it, Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Yeah. Even if I don't feel chill bumps down my spine, he's still there. Yeah. Thank God for this period. It's been hard. It's been tough. And there are many takeaways. And one of the takeaways is to learn to serve God in spite of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Serve God. Even when you prayed and your prayer didn't get answered, you still serve God. Even when you gave and the windows of heaven are not opening, still serve God. Even when you prayed and you didn't feel any presence of God, still serve God. Even when you read the Bible and you still didn't understand, still serve God. Preach in season and out of season and serve God. Oh yeah. And Paul says there are many adversaries. It exists side by side with your mission and your purpose. And your opportunity and the open door. When adversaries come, don't think you've gone through the wrong door. <laughs> it's the right door. It's just the way it is. It's a package. It's a package. It's a package. Oh, yeah. You see, our human tendency is to look at opposition and problems as a sign that you're doing something wrong. Or that you are out of God's will. But Paul, when he took the gospel to Ephesus, he had come from other cities where he had so much challenge. He says, even if there are many adversaries, it's still a great door. Somebody say, it's a great door. door. Tell your neighbor, it's a great door. door. Tell them again, it's a great door. I love what he says. He says, for a great door, an effectual door has opened unto me. Oh, Paul. The the, the construction of the sentence means this door is uniquely mine. Oh, there are things that God has tailor-made uniquely for you. It's your door. And that's why you understand if God opens you, your door, you don't have to worry about other people's doors and you don't have to take other people's doors. That's why in the book of Revelation it says, I have set before you an open door. When God sets it for you, you don't have to worry about anybody upsetting you. And our problem is we try to walk in other people's shoes and do other people's calling and and go through other people's open door instead of focusing on your unique door. 
It's your door. It's for you. Nobody can close it. Only God has opened uniquely for you. God knows he has made you for that purpose. He has fashioned you for that moment. You are the woman. You are the man for the time, for the season. You have the gifts and the abilities and the anointings. You are uniquely made, shaped, formed, created in your mother's womb for that door. You are not a mistake. You are not a coincidence. You are made for that moment. The door of opportunity is uniquely yours. And if it's uniquely yours, busy yourself with what's uniquely yours instead of being jealous over other people's open doors. Oh, yeah. And when it's your door, you don't have to worry about anybody taking it away from you. You don't have to try and prove who you are and try and impress them that you're the number one. You just need to chill, just relax. It's your door. Uniquely for you. God has placed you there. Oh yeah. I heard one preacher say, God has placed the sun and the moon and the stars up in the sky. He threw them out, out there in the atmosphere. And ever since God set them there, they are still there. And no one can unset them. And then he said, therefore, if God doesn't set you, he will upset you. You don't ever wake up in the morning, the sun going, hey, I'm the sun. Moon, do you understand? Earth, do you understand? Stars, do you understand? I'm the sun, I'm the man, I'm the one. You, you. No, no, the sun is relaxed. The sun is the sun. If it doesn't shine today, it's fine. There's still tomorrow. No problem. I'm the sun. Everything revolves around me. Oh, I see you walking in that confidence from God in Jesus' name, in the fullness of who you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's who God has made you. That's who God has called you. Don't have to fight anybody and convince anybody. Show anybody any credentials. You don't have to Tanasakaya. If God has placed you there, you will be there. You will go through times of challenge. You will go through difficulties. Sometimes there will be delays. But even if delays are there, you will finally go through the door. Can I hear an amen in the house? It's an open door. Paul says this unique door. It's a mega door. <laughs> He uses the word mega for great. means it's huge, it's massive. It's unique opportunity. It's a favorable time. It's a chance. It's a prospect of advancing in position and attaining a goal. It's already wide open. It's an opportunity of a lifetime. God's given me complete access. It's this unique opportunity. It's a, an effectual door. And I like the word effectual because it's the word energies which is from the word energy. Paul is saying, listen to me, this is important. When God opens a door for me, and there's an opportunity for me, in that opportunity, I will throw all my energy into it. See, you see, listen to this. Paul says, by the grace of God, I am who I am. And then he says, and, and his grace that was bestowed upon me was not in vain because I labored more abundantly. Then he says, eh, but, but, but not I, 
but the grace of God that's in me. What, what is Paul saying? Paul is saying, I, I'm looking around for the open door and the opportunity. And where God places me, I know he'll give me the grace to be effective there. And because I have the grace to be effective there, I'm going to go all out. In my area of grace, I will produce fruit. I will make sure I do more. You see, Barcelona, if you look at sports people in any sport, golf, tennis, soccer, rugby, anything, every player has got their unique style. All right, let me talk about tennis because now this is the Australian Open, right? Okay. Uh, in, in tennis, some of the players, when you interview them, they will tell you, I'm an aggressive player. That's my style. I'm an aggressive player. So their style of playing, like, you know, Venus Williams and Serena, that was their style. Aggressive players, that's how they are. That's, how, that's their unique style. And if you play in accordance to your style, you're able to get a lot of points. There are players who know they are served. When they serve, you're not going to be able to return the serve. So if you watch their style of playing, they make sure that when they serve in a game, they make sure they get that game. And if they can be ahead of you, they're going to get that set. They beat you on their service. But there are some who know how to play the lines. You know, they, they play the, the marginal lines. They know how to move you around in the court. Go this way, go this way. You know, Nadal, he hits it so that it bounces very high. It has top spin. Oh, let me not talk about that. <laughs> but everywhere you go, everybody has got your style. Here's my question. What's your style? What is your unique grace in the unique door that God has opened for you? And are you in that unique door, in that unique grace, are you laboring more abundantly? When I look at churches, churches, for churches to grow and thrive, all churches have got different graces. There are churches that have a grace for this, a grace for that, a grace for that. Even with people, you look at families. There are families that have different graces. Yeah, it's a grace on them. Yeah. Yeah, and if you marry into that family, or if you befriend the people in that family, or if they come to your place, the people in that family, that grace by default becomes your grace. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. So there's families, when you look at them, everybody's like, almost everybody's a businessman. And it looks like to them, they just snap a finger and money comes their way. Man, I'm with you for money to come. Jesus. <laughs> Woo. Woo. There are people who have a grace of singing. They just stand. I mean, you look at, you know, if you look at all these, uh, uh, America's Got Talent, Britain's Got Talent, or The Voice, or any of these, we have it here in South Africa. Yes, you see this for your, for your old kid coming up? And they say, Dela! How old are you? I'm five years old. So what song do you want to sing? You know? I always will love you by Whitney Houston. And you go, Whitney Houston? How are you going to say this? And this four-year-old stands up and just belts out the song. And all of us are standing there, mouth open, because you know you were going to sing in classes yourself. <laughs> For three years. <laughs> but but, but you, can't, you, you can't even match this kid. And this one is four years old. They've never been to one class. They just have a grace. I see your grace. <laughs> Labor more 
abundantly. Let me conclude. I think the most difficult things about life is when we get to a point where we realize there were so many doors that were opened and we just never went through them. And as I've said in the other lessons, the problem with opportunity is that it doesn't come wrapped up in the miraculous or the supernatural. Sometimes it just unfolds in the everyday mundane things. It's just that one decision that was spirit-led that you made. Blind Bartimaeus, when he was standing by the side of the road, I, I don't think when he went to the side of the road, he thought anything spectacular was going to happen that day. <laughs> He's just standing there. And, and he hears this noise, and he, on inquiring, he, he's told that it's Jesus. And listen what they say. They say he's passing by. He's, he, let me decode it for you. He's not coming to you. Don't bother him. Because that's what people will do when you try to take advantage of opportunity. They will try to discourage you. They'll try to steer you the wrong way. But I love this guy. He said, can you take me to him? They say, ah, we told you. He's, he's busy. He's hectic, like you young people say. He's hectic. And Bartimaeus thinks... If I let this opportunity pass by, <laughs> if I don't labor hard to enter this open door, I will live as a blind man for the rest of my life. I've got to do something. I've got to fight for it. I know I can't see. I know I can't get to him. But my goodness, God has given me a good voice and I'm going to use it right now. Oh, am, am I talking to somebody in this place? Listen to me, there's always something that you can do. No matter what blocks your way, there's always something that you can do at your level. It's got to be something. So he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And note, Jesus doesn't respond first time around. Some of you, you tried it once, it didn't work, you gave up on it. You thought it was the wrong thing. And yet it's the right opportunity. It is the right door. And even worse, the people say, shh, don't make noise. It's not coming this way. But I love this guy. He understands the open door principle. <laughs> got to work hard. I got to labor. I know these adversaries are trying to stop me. But these adversaries can speak, but I'm going through the door anyhow. Jesus! Son of David, help mercy! And Jesus stops. Jesus is going to stop for somebody. <laughs> Sometimes I don't understand why God doesn't respond first time around. But I think he wants to just see how hungry are you. Some of you, you've given up on what God has told you to do. Now you're standing on the other side of the door wondering what's going on on the other side. But I believe today God is saying I'm opening the door for you again. Will you step in? I pray that throughout this week and the coming months you will not hold back on doing what God has told you to do.
and on seizing the opportunity that God presents before you in spite of the adversaries who are going through this door in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a big hand if you believe his word today. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Remain seated. I want to pray for you in a short while. You know what I want to pray for? When we hear a word like this, God wants to make certain adjustments in our lives. And all we need to do is just to say, you know what, God? Here am I. I. Your word came through. It spoke truth into my life. And this morning I'm making those adjustments. That's why we meet like this. We're not here as perfect people. Ah, There are people who have lots of challenges. (laughs) But the difference in our lives is God Almighty. He guides us. Leads us. Help us navigate. Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the reason we are not afraid is because he's with us. His rod and his staff, it comforts us. So when we meet like this, we are here to open up to the presence of God and to respond to him and say, God, Sometimes just a simple prayer. Sometimes it's a simple commitment. But that one step can change the rest of your life. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes, please? You may be here for the first time, either in this building, in the foyer, in the youth hall. You may be on YouTube, on our church website, on Facebook. Or you may be in some of our other churches in other areas that are live streaming. You've been listening to this word and the word of God has come to your heart. You look at your life, your life is not right before God. Today I want to make an invitation to you to say the starting point of all change is receiving Christ as Savior and Lord. For Him coming into your heart. Yes, we go the wrong way. We do things that are not right with God. Sometimes people get saved, live for God for a while, but then they go the wrong way. And choose the wrong path. Jesus stands and makes an invitation to you. For you to come just as you are. And right now I want to make that invitation to you. To respond to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you want your life to be changed? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to become a child of God? Do you want forgiveness of your sins and your wrongs? Do you want to follow in the footsteps of Christ and be a child of God? Takes a simple prayer. Living in your heart, speaking with your mouth, receiving Christ as Savior, that you can do now as opportunity presents itself and the door is open for you to do it. So if you're in this auditorium, in the foyer, in the youth hall, whether you're watching live streaming on social media or in the churches, and you say, please pray for me, my life is not right before God. I want to invite Christ in my life. Right now, please, would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand right where you are with our heads bowed, our eyes closed? I want to pray for you. Just raise it up. 
Right where you are, just raise up your hand so that we pray together. Thank you for those hands. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for these precious people. Thank you that in the lifting up of their hands, they are making a sign. They're inviting you as Savior and Lord. And thank you that as we counsel with them, you will give us the ability to help them navigate this part of their lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I want to ask those of you who are on social media, you can just indicate to us by communicating with us that we help you. Those of you in the other churches, uh, just do what we're about to do here. There are people there who are trained people that I'm going to ask you, they will indicate to you what you should do because we want you to go to a private room. For those of you who are in this auditorium, even in the foyer and even in the other buildings, if you raise your hand, you'll note now there's an usher or a counselor standing next to you these are trained people that we've asked them to take you to a private room so that we can counsel with you. We're trying our best to observe all the protocols. So if you could please follow them right where you are. Take all your belongings and just follow them to the counseling room, please. We want to pray with you. Just give them a big hand as they go. Just go with them right now. Bless you. Give them a big hand, Bazalana, as they go. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Give them a better hand than that, Masalana. It's a big decision. That's not a big hand. Give them a big hand. This is a big decision. Thank you, Jesus. Now, for the rest of us who are still in the buildings, you know, a message like this, there's there's nobody who goes scot-free here. Everybody, when a message like this is preached, somewhere it touches on you. I always tell my wife who repel her, for me, this message hits me several times. When I'm preparing, it hits me. When I'm about to preach, as I'm about to say it, it hits me first before it comes out. And then it hits me at seven and it hits me at nine. So you can just realize where it hits me. All we need by Jesus is that instead of walking out of here with a sense of condemnation over missed opportunities, we can simply correct that and say, you know what, God, I'm sorry. And we can pray for you that God will give you the ability to spot the open door and to be proactive. Some of you, you've buried visions that come from God. You've walked away from that which is of God. You've turned a blind eye to a door that God has opened and moved elsewhere and you've paid a dear price. But listen, it's not about the bad things that have happened to us. It's about the opportunity God gives us now to correct. And so if you're one of those, you say, you know what, I just need prayer. Just the grace of God to help me navigate these doors and for God to guide me. I just need prayer. I just need to stand, for you to stand in agreement with me and pray with me. If that is you, just stand on your feet right where you are. Don't worry who's looking at you. Just stand on your feet. Just stand on your feet. Don't worry. Don't worry. That's right. That's right. Would you raise your hands to God as I pray? Thank you, Lord, for your grace upon these, your children. As we stand in your presence, first of all, we say, forgive us. Forgive us for walking past the open door. Forgive us for not leveraging the opportunity before us. 
Thank you for your word that has spoken to us as we repent of our wrongs and right now embrace the guidance of your spirit that wherever there's an opportunity that comes from you in your timing, we will make sure we go through that door. Grant us the grace to see, the grace to know. Fill us with a courageous spirit to fight for what rightfully belongs to us and to ensure that we stand against the adversaries. I pray, Lord, that your mercy and your grace will envelope these, your children, and that you'll guide them and lead them in the name of Jesus. Let supernatural turnarounds be a reality in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. Yeah, give the Lord a big hand. He deserves the praise. Hallelujah. All right.